0: When I wasn't recruiting directly, I used to try and hang about in reception and see how they interacted with, say, the receptionists and something like that. That tells you everything about, you know, they could be gone before they've got past the front door. Construction as an industry is miles behind. Yeah. Rubbish. Um, even adopting just modern building practices, they're, they're pretty poor. One of my most abiding memories, I guess, is, is watching people develop and having a hand in that. So not having that opportunity at the minute is uh, yeah, that that that's that's different. And I'm I'm partly culpable for the position we're in. Mm. And I've got to affect somebody's life. And that's that's really tough.
1: Hi, I'm Steve. I'm the Digital Director here at Spectrum Group. Our mission in life is to unlock the potential of your people. We combine hardware, software, and expertise to do that. And this podcast is all about sharing some of that expertise with you, our watchers and listeners. Today we joined by the usual John and Neil. I'm also joined by a very special guest, Martin Stead, who's the Director of Marketing Services at FM Business Daily. I think you're going to get loads of value out of this podcast. We talked about leadership, we talked about facilities management, we talked about technology. With all that said, welcome to Tomorrow's Workplace today. Welcome to Martin. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for joining the pot.
0: I'll say thank you now. It might not be that way at the end. Yeah, you'll regret it. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Um, so for for everybody listening, watching, trying to introduce yourself, who you are, and what you do.
0: Yeah, Martin Stead. I work just over the road from here, actually, which is quite mm. handy for today. Yeah. At um, FM Business Daily, the marketing director there. Or director of marketing services.
1: Get it right. Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> and career up to now then. So can you give us a bit of a potted history? Kind of what wow, yeah. we ended up here.
0: Okay. How far back do you always? Oh,
1: not too far. Uh, <laughs> 10 years. What have you been up to? 10 years. Last 10 years. <laughs> uh,
0: so before this role, I spent about 15 years at the Sewell Group, based okay. in Hull. Um, I was running their. I was MD for their facilities management company. Um, so, yeah, like I say, about 15 years there left last September. Okay. Um, before that, wow, well, a few different jobs. I'll pick out, pick out some highlights. I worked on the... Well, what is it now, the MKM Stadium. Okay. Um, worked on the build of that because um, I was in construction before facilities management. Right. Uh, fascinating job. Really good to see that my shoes are actually buried there in one of the, are they really? one of the humps. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, allegedly, there's also a Scunthorpe United shirt under the centre <laughs> circle, but we'll leave that one there. Uh, before that, I was at... I started out at Sewell, Actually, originally I was sort of there seven years, then left and came back again. Uh, went there straight from school. Didn't really like school. No, no, not for me. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah. So,
2: um,
1: okay. So you've you've been a leadership role. You've managed a decent sized team, I'd
0: imagine at Sewell. Yeah, like up to a hundred at, at, at points. yeah.
1: Okay, and now no
0: team at the minute. One. One team of one, which yeah, is was, or somebody else. It, yeah, it was it was me, but no, I, there is one now, yeah. That, okay that works for me.
1: So I'm intrigued as to how how that's been for you, having had such a big team and getting everything done, I guess, through your team to now
0: kind of massive being that. change, yeah. Um so we've got a relatively small team over there completely, but um yeah. so two adjustments really, not having that massive team reporting into me. Uh interesting. It, very interesting because you, in some ways, I'd much prefer it without. Because what is it you say about uh, business would be fine without people and customers? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry for any customers listening, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so it's I don't miss it in that way. This the baggage that comes with that, but then actually, I'm a people person at heart, so not having those and interactions and one of my most abiding memories i guess is is watching people develop and having a hand in that so not having that opportunity at the minute is uh, yeah that that that's that's different um but not being the boss as well so you know if something's happening i'm like oh i'd do it that way and you've got to like mm, you know make a suggestion rather than just say yeah we're going to do that so
1: because yeah. one of the most difficult things i think of being a manager or a leader is not telling everybody what to do and it's trying to get them to come up with their own ways and their own
0: solutions so how have you approached that challenge in the past it's an interesting question it goes goes back a bit because when i first got into that position i probably was still no no do it do it this way Hmm. you might have somebody who's crap at that job uh but brilliant at leading the team of people doing that job so we do get that wrong um and so yeah i had to basically learn on my feet um and learn how to not give people the answer just perhaps give them a steer and and accept that you know to learn as i did you've got to make mistakes yeah and that's the only way you're going to learn properly just don't make them more twice do you so when you recruit people do you recruit
1: people who are who've got back experience within that kind of domain that area or do you look for
0: different skills and Again, that's something that developed. That's an interesting question. Again, you're prepared, one. i Have you done this before? I've done this before. Uh, I always looked for, in the end at least, attitude. So, yeah, some skills would be helpful, but sometimes I took on younger people who had no skills, no background whatsoever in what they were coming in to do. Mm. But you could just see something in them and an attitude, and very quickly they're bang up to speed. I read that recently actually. I think it was on LinkedIn. Again, people,
3: I think it might have been a Simon Sinek thing or something like that, where he was saying, like, skills can be taught, but if you've got the right attitude and. and 100%. Yeah, yeah. you can. So when you say attitude,
1: break it down for me. What specifically are you looking for?
0: Uh, Well, a big thing for me is values of a person simple things, pleases and thank yous. You know, um, I used to try, when I wasn't recruiting directly, so if it was somebody in my team recruiting, I used to try and hang about in reception and see how they interacted with, say, the receptionist or something like that, and that tell you everything about you know they could be gone before they've be got through well past the front door, because um, I think those values are, that's that's their default position in an interview. Mm. Some people are pretty good actors mm. and they can get through, and recruitment. It's not just the time; it's the cost. And then um, you could be six months in before you go. Do you know what we've made a mistake here? Mm. And that that's tough. Um, so values are really important. Um, hard work harder to gauge, but if somebody's got values and hard work, they'll trump talent every time, yeah. in my view.
1: I agree, and I agree you on the recruitment piece. I think if you if you get recruitment right, your job as a manager and as a leader becomes infinitely easier. Yeah. If you get it wrong, it's a tough slog for everybody, yeah. and yeah. trying to recover that situation. i Completely agree. And
0: it's hard. It's hard to come to that realization and think, I've got to make a really horrible decision now, mm. and I'm I'm partly culpable for the position we're in, mm. and I've got to affect somebody's life, and that's that's really tough. So,
3: in your current um, role, is 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 there? I know you've, you've said you've got from one to two, but I guess so you've, you've recruited someone. And is, there, is there a roadmap to, to build the team out or are
0: you going to keep it quite lean and mean? Or? It will be quite lean. Um, so we've got, a, without getting into too much detail, but yeah. we've, got, we've got a sister company, so we, we do borrow quite a bit of uh, um, talent from there at the moment and they, <clears throat> and then it you know, just gets recharged across. But yeah, in time, we'll be slowly building that team. And do you
3: leverage more of the technology side? Because again, I know part of the argument that we sort of say is, is yeah, a bot or technology, for example, can. Yeah, you don't have to pay them pensions. You have to pay them NIs, You can you can leverage them, and they're not going to leave after a certain amount of time. So as long as you set it up right, because you're right, there's a cost associated in acquiring talent, but there's also a cost if it goes wrong. So it's uh, mm-hmm. you can you can flip between the two, and obviously look at the argument for yeah, leveraging technology. Have you started looking at more systems and processes, or
0: did you yeah, have you started looking at that in your current role? It's very digital based what we do. Um, you still obviously need a, an element of people to. To deliver that um, but because it's it's relatively new we've not got that baggage that we're having to convert whereas in previous positions I have with um, uh, you know those manual processes that you're trying to to cut some of the baggage out from mm. um, but it's much easier when you're starting from scratch and yeah, for, you don't yeah, have to, to board, convert yeah. if you like yeah. that, you mean to go on?
2: as an industry as a whole mm. FM <clears throat> Tech-wise, where, how did you find it when you were nice uh, segue, John? It was all right, wasn't Slick. it? Thank <laughs> you. Slick. Uh, how how did you find it when you you know because obviously I know you so I know you like your tech, but and I know that you had some decent um, solutions in place at Seoul, but as a whole, because I know you've had roles in sort of national sort of bodies for awards yeah. and things like that. How have you how's FM in
0: tech? Um they're probably middle of the road, I would say. So within the group at Sewell there was construction as well. Construction as an industry is miles behind. Yeah. Rubbish. Um even adopting just modern building practices, they're, they're pretty poor. Um FM better, um, but still quite a long way behind, I would say. Uh BIM, so building information modeling as a as a uh, entity has been around probably two decades now but it's mm. still not really caught hold properly as it should do and the benefits of that are, are huge particularly if um i'm going to go off piece of my knowledge here but introducing blockchain into that as well yeah. um, that will be revolutionary if they can sort that out in terms of that one source of truth of data can, can you just explain BIM? Because I,
1: I think it's a really interesting kind of area and technology, yes. particularly within construction. So, for listeners, it, watchers that aren't familiar.
0: Yes. So, if you, if you think about a new building um, rather than a, um, a refurbishment, because it's just a bit easier, you might have an architect, um, a structural engineer who will design the steelwork, et cetera. The mechanical and electrical will be designed. The lighting will probably be designed there could be up to a dozen different people who are designing that building. And then from there, you've got umpteen different people and contractors putting it together. Virtually every building is a one-off. It's not like a car. Mm -hmm. You design the car, you have a few prototypes and then bang, you're you're churning out thousands. Yeah, Yeah. Virtually every building is a one-off. And so in practice, some of the advantages are when the when the designs are put together so one led on top of the other if you like you should be able to detect clashes so is there a is there a um an air conditioning duct going right where the steel frame is yeah um is there a pipe going through a room where you don't want a pipe so all of that should get ironed out in the design stage before you get to to site um doesn't always work in practice but it's got it's got better and then from once the construction's finished you've got all that data that in theory should be handed over to the owner building owner and the facilities management team to keep up to date um so i think the the future vision if you want to wind that on this should have happened by now but if you wind it on another 10 years and think about augmented reality mm. you'd have your uh electrician perhaps put a pair of goggles on or use his phone Look at a wall and he should know exactly what's behind there um, without having to bash a hole in it or look at a ceiling suspended ceiling mm. right i need to be at that uh duck to there change those filters um and that all of that technology is there isn't it you guys will know it's all yeah. there. it's just not being really pulled together it's it, it's just too big the industry
1: agreed yeah and i started working a little bit with bim about 15 years ago and i can't believe the industry of construction has not adopted it as much as it probably should have done. Yeah. What What do you think stopped it
0: happening? Um, I think just because there are so many disparate parties to, to put a building together, and like I say, it's always one-offs. Hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough in my time at Seoul that we had a rolling programme of, of some health centres and we managed to keep a team together of architects and and, um, and other designers. And that worked so well because you built the relationships. It's all about relationships, isn't mm-hmm. it? People at the end of the day. And if you're having to establish those at day one, every single project, you know, the same mistakes get made and, and all of that, that. So being able to influence an industry of so many different parts, it, I mean, they, they, they even... The designers use different sort of design languages in, mm. in their IT systems, you know, AutoCAD so and 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 things like that. So, even getting that to be the same language, um, you know, it's
1: what can the industry do to speed it up, or industry or government or whoever is there anything that we they should be doing.
0: I think it's got to come from government. Um, They've tried. They've um, they've done quite a good job at pushing it down onto their estate. Mm. Um, but I think until they've solved the, I'm sure I mean, age Betamax VHS yeah. issue, um, then we're going to be struggling still. Kind of unifying one technology. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, it's moving that way. But it, you know, like you say, you were involved 15 years ago. Mm. It's 15, 20 years. It's been talked about.
1: Yeah. And what about FM then? So, I mean, FM is a, it's a broad industry, isn't it? It means lots of different things. So, when you talk about FM, what what are you just des- what are you describing?
0: I would describe it as um, anything that is not core to the business that operates out of a particular facility. So, you guys here, um, you're delivering um, hardware and software in the in the. Uh, to other businesses Mm. and so you know you might outsource your reception your cleaning um all of your building fabric maintenance um grounds all those things so anything that is not core to you delivering um your services to your clients that would be facilities management and then it, it splits again between hard what we call hard services and soft services easiest way to think about that is if you pick the building up turn it upside down anything that falls out is soft services Mm. okay (laughs) and anything that stays there is hard like that this is matt matt is a finance director and this is matt's team day after day they trudge through endless stacks of paperwork like mindless zombies (laughs) but luckily for matt and his team Things are about to get a lot better. Since Spectro has digitized their documents, there's no need for physical copies and duplicates to clutter up the office. And with a fleet of Spectrobots to take care of the mundane, Matt's team have changed the game. Don't waste the potential they've got. Get them a robot with Spectrum tomorrow's workplace today how
1: does a facilities management business get um, I guess efficiencies over so we, we could manage perception ourselves and we could do the cleaning ourselves I guess but yeah. how do you guys get a competitive benefit against somebody doing it
2: themselves that's a good question as well um, you didn't prep him on that
0: one <laughs> yeah thanks for that it's um Often it comes down to and you'll you'll come across this when you're trying to sell it, a quality and a and a value versus price. Yeah. So in theory, a facilities management company should be able to buy toilet rolls cheaper and that sort of thing. That so that's going to give you a slight price advantage. But the value should be that if you are employing two cleaners here, um and they both go on holiday at the same time. No. You're not going to get cleaned. Yeah. But if you employ a facilities management company, you'll still get cleaned because there'll got be a team. Scale. Yeah.
1: Okay. And in terms of technology, you talked about construction and how that's advancing in terms of, albeit slowly, in terms of BIM. But where's the the FM version of BIM, or is it BIM? Is it the same technology?
0: It, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a part of it. Um, but there is also a move. Um, Traditionally, it's been about reactive maintenance. So something breaks, you bring them up and they come mm. within certain timescales. And planned maintenance, you would get your boiler serviced once, twice a year at this stage and this stage. That's traditionally what it's about. What they have trying to move to is to use um, sensors and Internet of Things and make it more uh, predictive maintenance. So you might have a sensor on a pump And if the vibration of that pump goes slightly out of parameters, an engineer comes to find out what's going on rather than just coming in in January because that's what the schedule says. Mm -hmm.
1: Similar to us, I guess, in terms of printers. We we were reactive and increasingly kind of moved to being proactive and X number of prints, we'll send somebody out to to check on it.
2: And on on that, Martin, then, so using the IoT um, example, how progressed is that in FM? It's not
0: it's really quite poor
2: because I remember um, sitting on a um, a presentation um, about IOT and it was it was along the lines of the council could use it by putting sensors into drains, sensors into public bins, yeah and then going actually right, we're sending a gang out to go around 35 bins in the day. When in fact thirty of them are empty, yep. so actually let's just go to the five. Job done. We can do something else. We can utilise our staff much more efficiently, which obviously would then bring, if we take it to the FM arena, mm. huge benefits. Mm. Yes, the I would imagine, and you'd probably know more. Hopefully, um, <laughs> no, no. In, in as much as I would guess the the startup costs of putting IoT sensors into buildings or you know estates, whatever it would be, would be quite high but the payback i would have thought would be much larger and
0: probably quite quick i would i would think yeah it should be um i mean the ideal is that they put in as the building's built that's that's the mm-hmm. perfect because if you retrofit in you're probably going to have to rely on batteries um whereas if you put them in from the start you can hardwire right so that that's a factor um and also it's the it's the software side of it behind that so um, linking into a CAFM system, computer-aided facilities management. Um, I can remember seeing a demo five, six, seven years ago now by the CAFM supplier where I, where I did work at Sewell. And they had a little model. Um, it was to simulate uh, a water leak under a raised access floor. So they literally poured a cup of water into this model and then you saw it end up as a job in, in the CAFM system of engineer required. And that's six, seven years ago, and it's still not really happening. Wow. Yeah. The pay Pat- Is it patchy? It will be patchy. Yeah, sure. But- is it just because the payback's not there on the technology? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. But if you can move to that predictive maintenance mm. rather than the reactive and planned, it should pay for itself. Mm. Okay. And um, I know that you, you
1: sat on awards panels. Is that right?
0: I have in the past, for my yeah. sins,
1: Yeah. So talk to us about yeah. that experience and that must have given you a good viewpoint to kind of see best, best practice, I guess.
0: Yeah, it did. Um, so I've done some locally and some nationally, um, the IWFM, the Institute of Workplace and Facilities Management. Um, yeah. And that's, that's fascinating seeing what other people are up to. It's a really good insight into what's going on in the world. Um, but, it's not none of its rocket science it's just taking the sorts of principles we talked about and applying it and the trouble with facilities management um i suppose like a lot of service industries you're often on a relatively short contract yeah so it might be three five years and that's relatively that's a short space of time to have a significant impact Mm -hmm. um particularly when you know that by year two, there's going to be your competitors there saying, "Oh, we can do this, we can mm. do that, we can save you ten percent." Um, how many times can a company come in, troop the staff across, etc., yeah. etc., and save ten percent? There's only one way you're going to cut the quality of service.
1: And that's yeah, that's a bit of my perception of FM in a way. It is from past a contract to the next, and there is a race to, to the, the cut bottom. And cut and cut yeah, and cut. yeah. Is that going to continue, or surely that can only go to go so far?
0: I don't think it can go much lower. Um, so then it comes down to being client specific, really. Of, of it's about procurement. You know, I'm going to upset people if there's any any procurement people watching, but that's their job.
2: Hmm. Yeah,
0: you know, to to procure things along with in, in in line with certain rules and and show certain benefits, but If they're always looking at cost, the value is just disappearing out of it completely. Um, But when you're dealing with commodity,
1: which you are a lot of the time, ultimately it comes down to cost a lot of the time, doesn't it?
0: Yeah.
2: um, Yeah. But is that missing the point of what value FM providers can do? Because actually, if you went to what we were just talking about, you know, you had to retrofit iot just as an example yeah. and then you're suddenly saying well actually do you know what we can we can look at it this way for you and we're going to use some technology to do that that's where you can add value and but what you need i guess is not necessarily dealing you either need an open-minded procurement director yeah. mm-hmm. or you're talking to someone else that goes do you know what that makes a lot of sense because i'd want someone to respect what I do to their yeah. business if you like
0: absolutely and and you guys will come across exactly the same thing oh, yeah. it's a se- service industry it's the same thing mm. isn't it and you've got to show a differentiation you've got to show mm. through whatever your USP is and hopefully find people that value yeah, that over just the bottom line cost should should F- FM
1: companies be investing more in technology than they are then in terms of things like automation because if you are working on slim margins, then technology can facilitate more efficient operations, can't they, at the end of the day?
0: It can. I think it 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 probably varies by customer and client. Some just want to go on and not speak to anyone, go online, log their particular issue and they might get an automated response. Mm. Some still want to pick up the phone and speak to someone. Mm. Um and depending on how how frontline that is you know if you if you think about how british gas operate now they send out engineers to your home to to fix boilers but often you will ring through to a call center and they'll try and fix over the phone yeah so they've got either semi technical people on the end of the phone or they've got decent scripts to go off to to help you try and fix but if you're speaking to a um school business manager or a GP receptionist and the problem is elsewhere in the building Mm. they're just passing a message on you can't you've got to send someone yeah and sometimes they don't even give you the right room (laughs) so you go and you're like oh there's nothing wrong with the tap in this room
2: (laughs) Steve um, Steve mentioned uh, about you know your role in awards and, and things like that but obviously knowing you one of the things that we've spoken about on many a bike ride is like your Passion for you know initiatives and you had a couple of decent initiatives at Sewell where I think that was kind of how you got into the awards the whole arena because you got yeah.
0: recognized for yeah, what you did, did. Yeah.
2: can you just expand on what you
0: did yeah so we in in one of the buildings that sewell owned um there was a regional office for mencap and um and so we got to know them a bit as a as a tenant and um we did, provided some cleaning services as well as maintenance and they just approached us one day and said, oh Um, I hear you're struggling to fill the vacancy for cleaning this building. Could we supply someone? We're like, yeah, go for it. No problem. Mm. So they were dealing with people, generally young people, who had um, learning differences of some sort. It could be um, they're on the autistic spectrum or, you know, other things on on the spectrum. But... um, it worked for us because we couldn't fill that vacancy because it was only a few hours. Mm. It gave them some work experience. And we, we suddenly sat one day and said, do you know what? This, this could work wider. Mm. And so we got in to talk to them of how we could make it work because they had people coming through the door all the time and no way to give them any experience, either of work or getting work ready so um a reason for them to get on a bus and go to a workplace Mm. so they could support them with all that so we established something called abilities in facilities with um with the the local people at mencap and we got about 50 people through in terms of giving them interview experience or just some general work experience so we a tenant left. So we said, right, guys, give give us give us 10 people and we'll supervise them. And they emptied the building and um and filled a skip for us. Brilliant for us, because mm. it worked for us. Great for them. They got camaraderie. They got a talk about health and safety. Um But that that uh went on from there. and We actually got people employed. Um, we had one lad in our office, we had um a few at schools that were cleaning for us. Um and there was one particular lad at a school in Hull and about the best of my knowledge, he's still there now, sort of four or five years later. Great kid. He, he would barely... When we first met him, he would barely lift his eyes up to look at you and make eye contact. After a year or two working there, he was like the poster boy for us. He was doing interviews. He was even on Look North. He got interviewed on Look North. It's like, how, how can this turn around? And all we had to do really was understand how he took communication. So he did, verbal communication, didn't work. it didn't work for him. Yeah. Pictures. So we were able to give him um, you know, pictures of classrooms and pictorially showed him what he needed to do. Um, same for the, the chemicals rather than to say, right, we'll use that one there and that one there. Pictorial stuff as well. So just those small differences um, worked to treat for him. And we just had to be aware, with it being a school, obviously after every term, they'd be cleaning after school and then in the the holidays, they'd generally clean during the day. Mm. Change wasn't good for him either, so we had to work with him and and just say, right, so in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be changing your working times again rather than just it switching like that. It really hit me, the difference it made, until I was at some awards in Hull. Sounds like that's all I do, go to awards. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And his mum recognized me and came up to me and said, I just want to tell you what a difference, not just for my son, but for the whole family. It's just mm. changed everything for us. Um I was like, wow. Brilliant. That's that's really powerful that, you know, even if it was just one person, it wasn't, but even if it's just one, it's like, what a difference we've made.
1: Absolutely. And and it's interesting, you speak to businesses every day and it's like, what's your biggest challenge? It's can't get hold of people, can't Absolutely. get hold of bodies. And you guys thought outside the box and did some. It's a
0: massive untapped workforce, huge, and you just had to learn a bit about how they were different. Hmm. We did. um, We did actually go on a uh, a sort of course, and it was it was done to the max. So um, in terms of experiencing what what some people can experience, so we had these gloves on with um, like bones in them, so you couldn't move your fingers properly you had earphones on playing different background sounds, some glasses on that distorted your sight a little bit. And then they asked you to try and do tasks, and you're like... And yeah. they're like, that can be what it's like for for some people. Like, wow. Mm.
1: So, it's a microcosm of management, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's just dealing with people the way that they want to be dealt with.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that was to the extreme. Yeah. But Another thing we learned was... Um, Uh, it was Kerry White who who ran uh, the local office at Mencap she had this cheese sandwich uh, illustration of what it's like so when you communicate it's such a simple thing but when you communicate to someone how specific you have to be so she'd sit there with bread margarine knife a plate and some cheese and say tell me how to make a cheese sandwich she'd go okay Uh, pick up the bread so she'd being obtuse, pick up the bread, just, just launch it like that. Mm. So I picked up the bread, pick up the knife, pick it up by the wrong end. Mm. So it, yeah, it's just immediately on. like, Sounds wow. Like our, okay, uh, requirements gathering.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. As I say, it's a, it's an extreme version of yeah. just really day to day life of management and Yeah. clients. You you say one thing, I'll people to have to perceive something slightly different for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that communication. And accuracy and method, it's just incredibly.
3: But it's interesting you saying that the delivery mechanism. Like you say, some people that, necessarily if you wrote it all down step by step, I don't, I don't press If someone mm. wrote a big long list, I won't be able to process that. Mm. Pictures would work better for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm on that journey at the moment. I'm I'm going through sort of ADHD and dyslexia and sort of diagnosis, and I've noticed complete different change around. Uh, different skill sets, how I interpret information, how I how I communicate with my customers, yeah. and things like that, and and how quickly it can change and go off on different tangents. Yeah. But it's about, I guess, finding your strengths and then identifying the weaknesses, and then again, like business is, it's a team sport. It's backfilling mm-hmm. those weaknesses yeah, and having absolutely. people in in different positions. But then also, when you're all communicating together, it's making sure that each person's been catered for. I guess. Mm.
2: Um, Has, sorry, Neil. Has so that initiative you had with MenCap, mm. obviously I know you. Then I don't know if you did a presentation, but there was conversations in on a more national scale. Has is that it? been adopted?
0: no we tried to we tried to wow. get it to take off nationally. I went to speak at a couple of national things, um, but sadly, what happened is MenCap closed the local office. No, and mm-hmm. that pretty much killed it. Wow. What here?
3: Mm. No way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, shame. Yeah, so it was a real shame. Kerry, um, for her part, obviously she she lost her job there, but she did continue to support a lot of the people that that were placed with us and working for us. And she's I know she's still in touch with some of them now, years mm-hmm. on, even though she's on about a third job since then. Mm-hmm. Wow!
1: But the concept, you could see that being used oh, in multiple absolutely. businesses, and yeah, industries yeah. across the land.
0: Yeah, the the, the the lad that worked in our office. Um, he is his he just loved the detail he just mm. loved churning through that stuff. That's what and he was brilliant at it. That's
3: where his brain processes information. And, yeah. and you you can see that we've talked about it in, in some of the techie and developer jobs, they just they see knots and zeros. It's like matrix, they're just yeah. writing code yeah. like it's a completely try and get him language.
0: to pick up the phone and
3: speak <laughs> to someone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. No, no chance. chance we're all football fans aren't we it's just like having a right
2: back and playing him centre forward or a I left thought we were <laughs> there we go we'll there. it's <laughs> taking us 45 minutes I, to de- get yeah, it. I definitely want to skip football out of the four. Yeah, so, yeah. right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good um, I just want to just dive back because you talked about difficult conversations earlier and mm. I always when I'm speaking to people who have got lots of leadership experience like like you have I'm sure you've been through difficult conversations but how do you prepare for them any kind of tips and advice? Is if this something me and Neil should know? <laughs> no, no, It's just part of leadership, it's part of
0: management. Give it to someone else to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> not a delegate. That's a delegate yeah. <laughs> um yeah. Not the least favourite part, yeah. I think, of probably any any leader's role. Um, but it comes back to values for me. How how would you like it done to yourself? Mm. And Whatever it is, you've got to deliver it with kindness. Mm. Try and try and give them something good first, then the constructive, and then leave them mm. with a positive as well for when they go.
1: And have you got any other advice for young young leaders, young managers? People get starting off in their career. Anything that you kind of look back on and you've you've learned during the course of your career that you would share?
0: Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Don't blag it. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, say you don't know because people will see through it really quickly, especially if you um, are younger than the people that you're managing. Mm. Um, I started at, at 16 on a building site. I was, you know, shirt shirt and tie, and I've got these bricklayers who were, um, how should I put it, uh, less... <laughs> um less controlled than they are these days yeah. you know like in the summer they'd be wearing their underpants that's it nothing else <laughs> making sure they are getting all over tan a <laughs> bit different these days um and I had to learn really quick mm-hmm. really quick that you can't talk to people in a certain way you know you can't just say do that and like what do you know yeah. um so yeah don't like it and the second would be trust your instinct you've got instinct yeah um, whenever I think I've gone against that, we talked about employing people earlier. You, you, you might employ someone because you've got a vacancy, but you're better with a hole than a <laughs> hole.
2: So if you, <laughs> I love that. If you're, so brilliant.
0: <laughs> if you're not yeah. sure, but you're desperate to fill it because it's causing you all sorts of headaches, don't do it. Mm. If you're not sure, don't do it for them and for yourself. It's you know it's a two way thing. Um, so yeah, trust you, trust you, you gut feel. Because when I have gone against that, six months down the line, you're like, oh, I've got to deal with this now. Mm.
1: Um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah.
0: And the, oh. and the when I have had that, if I've made one mistake, it's been not dealing with it quick enough. Because mm. we're, we're human at the end of the day. So you think I know this is going to affect their lives. Um, they could go and get another job. You may know for sure that they are better suited somewhere else. Mm but you're still going to have an impact on their life. So you think, oh, I'll just I'll have a word with them and, and mm. see if we can just eke a bit more out of them, but it doesn't work. Yeah, brilliant.
1: Uh, w- one question I Why ask everybody. Why do you look
0: at Wellesley, then? You yeah, I don't you know, it's just <laughs>
1: natural. <laughs> just, uh... That's
0: a bit unfortunate.
1: <laughs> that, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> so Tomorrow's Workplace Today is the name of the podcast. Yes. Um, so and we, we have touched on this, but I'll ask you again. So look, thinking of your industry, In 10 years' time, how do you see that changing? How's that going to look different to what you do today?
0: Um, Well, I think COVID has has accelerated quite a lot of stuff um, way quicker than I thought. So, you know, doing remote meetings, Hmm. that was, you know, hit and miss before, then suddenly, almost overnight, everybody had to do it. Yeah, And... That's got its pluses and minuses. It's now nobody ever rings for a five minute conversation for a question. It's like, Can I see you at three for mm. half an hour? It's like just ring me up. <laughs> um so I think things like that have accelerated. I think that that's slowed down since we're we're back in the workplace. Mm. Um, even reversed slightly in, in some areas. But I think what I'd like to see is um in facilities management, you, the, the core of a business to me is is a help desk. Um, they know or should know everything. They've got the finger on the pulse of everything that's going on, whether it's planned maintenance, reactive maintenance, they know the customers, they know the engineers. Um, and at the moment, they're just sat behind a computer screen um, following processes, da-da-da. I'd love to see them in the future with, with mm-hmm. um, VR goggles on or... Or some version of augmented reality where they can, you know, these you get these glass screens in the films, don't you? Where they're pulling things in and yeah, my um, minority problem. Yeah, yeah that's school. Yeah, that yeah sort I like it. Thing. Yeah, yeah. That, has, that has to be the way to go. But like you say, that technology it's there. exists. It's, it's there. all there. Yeah, it's just pulling those bits together.
2: On on the that that last question and on your answer, Martin. I suppose I'm going back to what I asked about half an hour ago, but. That's the future and that makes loads of sense and brings loads of efficiencies both for the facilities manager and for the client. But if procurement are driving the price down, mm. how is it ever going to happen? I know. That, that, I mean, it just needs, well, you said it a bit earlier, it needs government intervention. Or it needs some sort of intervention that says, actually, that's, there's a bigger picture here in, mm. t- like you said, five, 10 years' time. We could all benefit by utilising technology or or, you know these systems yeah but we can't do it the way we're going racing to the bottom
0: we can't and you know as i'm sure you guys are you're looking for that enlightened client aren't Mm. you that that sees the value in it sees the value to their business um and sees that long term it's it will save them save them the money long term and, and put them ahead and if you can provide something that that gives a competitive advantage to them as well so a huge thing in facilities management at the minute is is um, its impact that it can have on on carbon neutral.
3: I was going to say yeah. environmental. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Energy if your
0: proposition training. as a facilities manager can effectively solve that for a, for a, a company, it, yeah, that's going to give them a competitive advantage and something to shout about as well. Do businesses care about that yet? <laughs> they say they do,
1: but do they actually?
0: there's a lot of greenwashing mm. um so no i don't think they do care enough yet uh again government are trying to drive that so in all of the in all of their procurement there's there's certain esg mm-hmm. um uh questions and and, and qualifications that you have to put in so they're doing their part to try and drive it but that's you know a fraction of of the of the business that's out there yeah uh A lot of a lot of companies just go and plant trees and say, yeah, we're, Mm. you know, we're carbon neutral. Yeah, but what about all the embodied carbon from Mm. your operations? You're counting that. Um, Plant more trees.
3: Plant more trees. I saw some amazing thing about they can actually extract carbon from the atmosphere now and make fuel. They can make diamonds. They can make all sorts. Mm. It's like, hang on, if the technology,
0: you do need to get out
3: more, don't you? Well, yeah. Wow, that that was uh, wasn't it? uh,
0: I think one of the ex Formula One engineers or something is involved with something like that, taking carbon out and making a synthetic fuel. It yeah.
3: was up in up in uh, Canada, and they were saying that they can instantly make any car carbon neutral because the fuel that they can absorb it through and process it and refine it into an actual fuel, mm. so they can literally put it in a petrol or a diesel or a jet plane or a, or a massive truck. Because they were saying that electric, um, yes, it's alright for the cars, but if you look at industry, they're not mm. bringing massive like uh, trains or, or other sort of industrial vehicles are going to be electric anytime soon. <laughs> so um, they were saying, well, well, actually, why don't we just absorb the cars, yeah, take it out of the atmosphere. I'm like, wow, okay. Shouldn't we put money into that <laughs> as well, yeah. a government? But
0: Was it your chat with um, with Nick that a couple of weeks ago you were talking about electric cars? Mm. I had a massive issue with electric cars.
1: Go on, because I'm an electric car owner, but yeah, go on. Well, the,
0: all the minerals that go in <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to making it's those batteries. batteries. And yeah. then what do you do with that? Is it, are we storing up another nuclear reactor problem mm. here where you're going to have the, all these batteries? I, yeah, I right. mean, it's clearly, is it better? It's better in some ways, but. I see in short term. We, we struggle to
3: mm. we struggle to recycle just the little batteries yeah, that we yeah. put in kids' toys and stuff. Like we, I see them in supermarkets that are just piled up and like, how do we actually get rid of all this lithium yeah. stuff? Mm. And we've just yeah, mind it, but yeah, it causes we'll a problem see. somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: well, everything we do does, doesn't it? Really,
1: it does. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us, Mark. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having having me.
0: enjoyed it. So,